Welcome to Navigating Change, the education podcast from Tybel Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I am here again with Howard Tybel. Pete Wright. As I'm sure fans of this podcast are thrilled to hear, we're talking about my alma mater again. Yeah, because it's all about you. It's another great day that we get to dive into University of Colorado, but this time we have a bona fide authority with us to help out. The real thing. First, before we get started, head over to tybelink.com to learn more about our work in education. Subscribe to the show for free. You just click the blue button right there on the homepage, and we'll let you know each time a new episode is released. Dr. Lori Bergen is the founding dean of the College of Media, Communication, and Information at University of Colorado, a veteran journalist turned academic. She's president of the Association for Education in Journalism and Mass Communication and serves on the National Advisory Board of the Pointer Institute. Prior to CU, she served as dean of the J. William and Mary Diedrich College of Communication at Marquette University. Lori, welcome to Navigating Change. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. I think it's literally almost a year ago that you and I met for the first time at the Marriott Hotel in the lobby. Is that true? Is it only been that length of time since last August, or am I? do I have my, uh, my dates wrong? Actually, I think you and I met even earlier than that, Howard, because today is one day and one year since I started my um, opportunity to lead the new college at Colorado. It's been a spectacular opportunity to start and lead a new college, and you've been involved in it since the beginning. So, you know, you and I have had the opportunity for a little over a year now, and what has struck me from the beginning in our initial conversation uh, through today is that what you're doing is what everybody wants but is difficult to achieve. And how I'd summarize that, Laurie, is this idea of breaking down barriers for students to navigate across academic areas and for faculty to work across disciplines, right? And ultimately, the reason... I wanted this to be part of our show is because more and more I'm being asked by others as I travel the country, what are some of the innovative things happening out there? Uh, What are some of the ways institutions are trying to uh, not just reinvent themselves, but be of more value to students. And I had shared with you uh, a state institution we're working with in New Hampshire is in the process in the next three years, they're going to be disbanding their departments and they're going to be creating academic clusters across seven areas. That is a big idea. And it's very much in line with what you're trying to do, which is this interdisciplinary practice. So what I thought we would do to get started is you finished your first year. When you look back on this first year, what's your takeaway around what you've created? And maybe share a little bit about what it is uh, CMCI is. You know, the name of your podcast is Navigating Change, but that's not the reason my answer to your question is change is hard. And change is really hard. That's the takeaway for me. But if you've got people who are passionate about what they're doing and have a degree of patience and understanding and generosity, there's a lot that you can accomplish in a short amount of time. So, uh, you know, I came to Colorado uh, to Pete's alma mater a year ago as the founding dean. Greatest university in the nation. Exactly. (laughs) And I came with the expectation of leading uh, what is functionally a a new college that was built on the legacy of two strong programs at the university, the former School of Journalism and Mass Communication and the Department of Communication that had been part of the College of Arts and Sciences. And about five years ago, 
um, in line with the challenges of journalism education across the country, which I can attest to in part because of my role with the Association for Education in Journalism and Mass Comm, but also because I've been involved in this for so many years as uh, both a faculty member and a leader, that is an area that has become particularly challenging for people to align with the changes and the revolution that have happened because of technology. If you look at professional programs and you look at the changes that have happened in the industries that they align with, you can imagine the challenge of doing journalism education at a time when the industries have changed so dramatically. So the University of Colorado Boulder about five years ago envisioned doing something far more creative and innovative than many schools have done across the country. And that was to essentially blow up everything that was here and start again and start anew. Now, that does not mean that everything was eliminated. It meant that the models and the deliveries of curricula were completely reimagined. And that's what's so exciting about what's happening here. So those two legacy programs, the former uh, journalism and MassCom school and the Department of Communication came together in a kind of corporate merger model. And then with a kind of startup quality, uh, new programs were added and envisioned. And that, uh, I would say, especially in the area of information science and critical media practices, has led to what's functionally a new college that has seven academic programs with in it. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, uh, currently just under 2,000 students. We expect to grow to 3,000 within the next couple of years. That's and fantastic. probably ultimately we'll, we'll have to top out at some point. Um, my, my guess is somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 students we're going to have to say, whoa, there's asymptote. We can't get any bigger than this. But, but the goals have, have been all along to build a new college that is creative and innovative and that has uh, a mission to really be reflective of all the changes that have happened in communication technology, in the media, the need for an extended knowledge and understanding about information, the way it plays a role in everything we do, and to create opportunities for both faculty and students to study, to push the envelope on what's happening in these areas, and to prepare students for careers for jobs that don't exist yet. And being nimble and being um, both personally uh, capable and able to, to adapt to those kinds of changes is part of the curriculum. You had to be so excited when this opportunity first presented itself because when you think on the surface, I remember when I first met you with you, it really is like starting with a blank sheet of paper. We're, we're looking at this clean, and this is as clean a change. At the same time, what you're living with also is the reality you've got people that have been around there for many more years that were part of the old schools, uh, all three of those particular disciplines. Talk a little bit about what that's like like navigating the process of having people get excited and own this new while they probably on some level remember the way it was. So how is that going? Well, it's going well, actually. I think in part because people, I said before, people have a lot of passion and a lot of patience. And I've been so delighted to have joined a group of colleagues who were instrumental in coming up with the idea for the new college. I mean, I arrived at the 11th hour, sort of like 
ta-da, I get to arrive and, and you know, right. be the dean. But, but the envisioning and the creation of the new college was really something that was the brainchild of colleagues who were, who were here before. And so, you know, there's a lot of um, opportunity that comes when you bring two groups together. We've also added so many people. We've added dozens of new faculty and staff in the last two years. That's huge. And, well, it is. And so, you know, we currently have about 100 faculty and, and instructors. Um, our staff has increased at least by, I mean, we're up to about 30 people. When we first when I first arrived a year ago, we were about 23. And so as you add people to the stability that comes from people who've been here before, you're creating new opportunities. But one of the things I've seen happening this last year is, you know, we had to create all kinds of processes and infrastructure, and we didn't have, you know, all the committees. And I mean, where's our tech committee? I mean, I remember the day someone said that, and it was like, oh, we don't have one of those yet. We need to put one together. I mean, you walk into most opportunities like this to lead a college, and the college has been there for 50-some years or more. Right. And, you know, so everything is already built. There's an infrastructure. There's an expectation. But what we've done, I think, is to borrow the best from the way things may have been done before when it had worked well but to be very open to creating new processes and procedures. I can give you an example. Great. We've got a group of folks who are working right now on the new promotion and tenure document for the college. We had several people go up for both promotion and tenure this last year, but they went up, if you will, under the old model. So we had some folks in the communication department. They used the old infrastructure and the old um, standards that were explicit in a P&T document that came out of the College of Arts and Sciences. We also had someone in journalism. And that's as you would expect because folks were hired you know, at the time and these were the documents in place. But we've had a group of faculty working this last year to try to envision how we can reflect in the promotion and tenure documents the very things that the new college has come to embody, meaning collaborative work. You know, how do you do that? I mean, most P&T documents are going to say we value sole authorship over, you know, um, co-authored work. Well, do we really want to say that? Actually, we're trying to figure out how do we navigate through both things because we want to continue to value the solo work that people do, but we also want there to be rewards for the collaborative and innovative things that we see as essential to the structure and to the impact of the new college. Most P&T documents don't have that, and we are not ready yet. We're still working over it this summer, but we expect to have it in place in early fall. And that's partly the benefit you have. I mean, there's, there's absolutely a, a challenge and a benefit to have such an open story that where do we put our priorities? But what you just described there is is one, I can imagine, of a number of examples where you're saying, how do we set us, set ourselves up for success so that we will attract the, attract the best faculty and the best students. You know, most times we're saying, okay, let's have faculty in the room and have a separate conversation from administrators and staff. And you brought together all three of those groups, shared your vision that they had, some had seen in advance, and then we had a shared dialogue among everybody to get everybody to feel buying into the process. And I thought that was such a great demonstration of transparency. And more and more institutions, especially on the academic side, need to find a way to bring not just faculty together to conceptualize the approach, but their administrators and staff. Don't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, we started out the process, and I, I want to acknowledge just the central role that you played in this because you're right, we, you were really a co-leader with me in this. And we started, you know, with the what I would consider to be the um, – 
faculty administrative leaders of the college, the chairs and the directors of the centers. Right. So we had a team. We started with that group. We then moved to uh, meetings with staff, joint meetings with staff and faculty. I worked with students as well, graduate students and undergraduate students. And we even had a group of alumni who participated in the strategic planning process. And, you know, I think um, when I think about what our success will look like in the future, it's really that we've achieved our plan. Um, you know, Henry Ford once said, you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. But that's sort of where we are with this, because right. we sat down and said, here's our vision. This is where we want to be in the future. We want to be the premier college of communication, information, and media in the world. And to do that, you know, we defined this together. And that's what I got so excited about. You know, I talk about the passion and patience of people. Um you know, our success is going to look like that we've achieved this mindset of creativity and innovation, inclusiveness, uh, persistence. I mean, we envision something as a group, all of these different constituencies for what the one college, and that's the language we use around this. I love what that will, concept, yeah. What one will, college. What, yeah, what will one college be? And, you know, that's a vision that as we communicate that with among ourselves within our, our one college and then to others about who we are, uh, I think, you know, those are some things that in higher ed, that's harder to do than it even is in a corporate world. And I think we're being really successful with it so far. You know, I, as an alum of the College of Journalism and, and Mass Comm, I, I have a, a, an alum's perspective on this whole change. As you've already talked about, you know, it's there are people who have an understanding of what this place was and the long nights in the basement editing and all those kinds of, of sort of bits of nostalgia. Uh, but what I find so interesting when you, is, is how this thing came about. You, you uh, use the words it was built on the legacy of these two colleges, um, and and you know from an alum's perspective. And when my phone started ringing when the announcement was made that the School of Journalism was being closed down, it was much more in the ashes, right? I mean, it was this sense of, and, and I had a, a friend, dear friend of mine, my classmate, who called me and said they just took my diploma, they walked out in the street, and they lit it on fire. I mean, they were really upset about this whole thing. And what has come out of the experience is much less of the of that. I mean, it is a much better thing that, that came out of this. My question for both of you is, what is the value of doing this as sort of a nuke and pave operation rather than an evolutionary operation? Is is there what kind of value do you get out of starting over that you could not have gotten from evolving the the current programs and skipping the whole uh, you know strife and turmoil? Well, you know, Pete, you're a, a, a spectacular alum and a spectacular representative of uh, what it is we're trying to help prepare students to do. I mean, you were a broadcast uh, graduate. And I mean, look at the nature of the work that you're doing today. I mean, you're doing all of this multi-platform delivery of uh, content. You're doing this in, a, in an independent role. You work with clients. But, but you're putting you know, the skills of journalism and broadcasting into place in, in a unique role. Imagine how successful you would be if you'd had our new CMCI uh, <laughs> opportunity to have that academic curriculum. But I, I say that only partly in jest because there were a lot of people who graduated out of legacy programs and continued to develop uh, new skills, new capacity, and found new places to be innovative and to do their work. And what we're really doing now, I think, with the curriculum is trying to 
to make sure that students don't have to find that after the fact, but can, you know, it's the takeaway of their of their academic program from the get go. The other thing I want to say about uh, what happened, you know, the the. Uh, Board of Regents in the state of Colorado that govern what happens at this university and others, um, there are certain uh, protocol and processes that are in place that have to be followed. And in order to do what happened here, a a term that no one likes and it gets bandied about and and probably, I mean, it's, it's the actual term, but to discontinue a program must happen before it can be reimagined. And that word discontinue is the word that's stuck in the craw of a lot of our wonderful alumni and the, the, the friend you referenced who said they've you know taken my diploma and thrown it in the dirt or whatever it was. I mean, that was the feeling that a lot of people had when they heard that one formal official act discontinue. And that never happened. The journalism programs continued. We are still graduating students until we have students in CMCI who will graduate in three years because we started a year ago. So there are still people who who have degree um, um, diplomas that will reflect um, the former journalism mass comm school because that's what they matriculated under. Not to do too deep of a dive on this, but the reality, I think, is that Probably some of the messaging and the way this was talked about at that time, if it had been done in a way that was more sensitive to the reaction that many great alums might have to this, there might have been a a stronger way to sort of roll out what the vision was for the future. But they couldn't even start the envisioning until the the former school had been discontinued. And so that, on some levels, kind of an unfortunate part of this. But at the same time, I think what it did is it signaled. It signaled, mm, this is not going to be your father's journalism school anymore. I mean, we are really talking about a reimagined, re-envisioned, unique, creative, innovative path for us to completely reimagine how we do it wasn't just journalism education, but that's what started it. And I have to say, this is a, a far better place today if you want to study any of these things. But it, it is in in whole, not just in part, but in whole because of the pieces of the discipline that have come together to create this amazing opportunity where you're just you're going to get both depth in an area and also expertise across a, a spectrum of, of skills and knowledge and competencies. Well, and, and I think all of that is is fantastic. And again, I'm totally on your side. You have me. Oh, I know you, you are. You have me converted uh, the number of times I've said in my career, gosh, I wish I'd learned this in J school. Uh, it, it's it, it, innumerable. Uh, but it does get back to the question for you specifically, would you have rather inherited an evolution or this sort of nuke and pave as a leader of change? Uh, before Howard jumps in with his perspective, uh, briefly. You know, I, I'm i pausing because it's that's kind of an interesting question. I think it can be done both ways, but I think we had a leg up in doing it with this approach because everyone was kind of jolted into a new reality by that. And I think it gave people a different perspective as a way of saying, oh, wow, we've eliminated what was here. Now we can be free to 
come up with new ideas and new approaches. And, and it just created a different culture and a different environment. I mean, I've done some similar kind of work at other institutions where we didn't just blow things up. Mm-hmm. And there's still ways to bring about positive change. So I would never want to say, well, this is the only way you can be successful is you have to get rid of everything. Because it, that's really not true. But I do think it changes the way you can approach things. And it changes the way people think about it. Howard, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this as a leader of change? We're looking back on saying, you know, if we had, if they had done a little, some things differently, Lori, maybe they would have uh, ruffled less feathers. But I think there's no way you can avoid the fact that when you go to do something different or reimagine something, and whether you use the word discontinue or not, some people are going to be left with a sense of loss, and then they're going to react, and and there's no right language that's going to get everybody to feel good about that. So that's number one. So number two is what I'm discovering over the last couple of years, and I think this is only going to increase, is the institutions that are willing to look at structure and not just people. You know, Jim Collins who is everybody's person, everyone's favorite to quote, this idea of first people. And we've all bought into that idea of people being the reason why our institutions are successful. I actually think what's happening in higher education is that if these institutions that are talking about wanting to distinguish themselves and have greater impact want to really have the kind of longevity they're envisioning, they need to look at structure. And structure is harder to deal with than people. I mean, real structural change. So I would say to you, Lori, that in the absence of them being, we're going to stop doing this and we're going to start doing this, it that is what opened the door to look deeply at this idea of working across the aisle. Every institution I work with talks about on the academic and administrative side working across the aisle. But the cultural inertia around our structures make it almost impossible for people to give themselves permission to work across the aisle. And whether it's whether it's the leadership at CU that that had the courage to do this and then bring you in because of your energy and enthusiasm and your leadership is is from my point of view it it's it's refreshing because not only do you get in with folks at every level but you do have a vision and you're willing to share it and you're invested in this just like this president I told you he's taken a big risk disbanding departments and substituting with culture uh, with clusters but my sense is Laurie And Pete, in the absence of a dramatic uh, willingness to look differently at our structures, it is very hard to do what Laurie is actually – has done the the first year in a foundation which you're doing forward. Well, thank you for all those kind words. You know, I want to – let me kind of clarify what I said before too because – I, I, I want anybody who's listening to this also to be encouraged to not feel like you have to have a board of regents discontinue a program for you right. to be able to reimagine it. And in fact, um, you know, at a previous um, experience at another institution, um, I did something like that by just we just disbanded the use of departments for a year and everybody regrouped into a group of color. The That's red group, not the a yellow group. thing, Laurie. Listen, for you to say well, I just that is a that is a leadership 
and courageous act. And I'm telling you, that is not typical. That's what makes your leadership unique. And that's the kind of leadership I am encouraged by when I see it. And that's what moves the needle. Well, thank you for saying that. I think everyone is a leader. And uh, once a group of people decide that they want to do things in a different way, it's maybe a person who can help to catalyze that. But when you imagine uh, everyone as being part of this as leaders, I think that's that's one of the one of the key and, things. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, because the, the the other side of this is, you know, when you say everyone's a leader, I think everyone has the capacity to be a leader. And you have, because I've worked with you on them, you have leaders that uh, are running these different areas, uh, these different uh, departments within CMCI. And and I'm telling you that, that once you... You've addressed the structural. I mean, it's it's sort of you're building on this foundation, but you also have found a way to retain great people and bring in great people, people who all, who have a vision. So so that's the other piece of what as people are listening to this. That's so key, is that if you're the in, in your case the dean, that you really empower your chairs and directors to to be part of really uh, telling the story about where you're going. And it's a combination of leaders. You cannot do this alone. You need a group around you. And and my experience of, of working with them is you have a fantastic group. One of the great surprises and rewards of having arrived here was to discover the amazing passion and just the ability of the people here to be creative, to have created what they, they've they done here, and to be so deeply committed to the work, to, you know, being prepared for our students, but also as engaged as creative artists and as scholars and researchers. And so as leaders, uh, you know, a group of people who bring all that passion to, into play, uh, I've just been impressed immensely by the kinds of things that folks are doing across the board. I mean, yes. I could give you tons of examples of things that have happened just this last year. I mean, we've got people doing things like partnering with Google around their uh, Google News Lab, our information science unit, which has just been created. They spent the entire year putting together their undergraduate curriculum so that they could welcome new students in the fall. And, you know, they're doing the kind of work that is really game changing on the work of uh, information and informatics. And, you know, it's just really spectacular the kinds of things people have been doing. And the leadership that they bring to the table as exemplars for for others in the college, both our students uh, and colleagues, I think it's really raised the bar on what we expect yes. to have happen here. In many ways, you're following the path of this concept of going from forming and, and that's year one, right? Mm-hmm. To storming, which is, and I want to want you to talk about what year two looks like. But this idea that, you know, you got through year one, we can do it. We actually worked together. We we had students get through this. We have uh, enrollments increasing. So there's a lot of evidence. There is great traction around this. So you've got this momentum. As you look now forward, going into year two. What do you see? Oh, wow. Well, I have to, before I answer that, I have to say how grateful I was to you for showing me that S curve, the forming, mm-hmm. storming, norming, performing curve. I, I made copies of it and walked around in November <laughs> with it in my hands because <laughs> November was the storming uh, period yes. for us where, I mean, you know, I arrived, well, exactly in a day, uh, a year ago. And there was that great honeymoon period for a while where, you know, uh, uh, nothing was a conflict. We had just, it was 
great people getting to know each other. And then a lot of the reality of it started to set in. There were things we hadn't figured out how to do yet. There were things we were already doing, as as uh, you know, we want to say, flying the plane as we're building it. And Sometimes you realize, oh, we're flying it, and we forgot to put a propeller on the left wing. And there were some, you know, kind of crash and burn moments that were stressful for lots of people. But again, it, with patience, uh, people were so gracious about moving forward with it. So, so you asked the question, what's moving forward and what's ahead? You know, I'm excited for year two to, in some ways, move past what I focused on last year as a leader. I was really concerned last year about our culture, about, um, you know, what we were going to be able to do to accommodate the changes that had been, in some cases, kind of imposed on people, in other cases, uh, more embraced. And in some cases, it wasn't change. It was just we didn't exist before, and now we do. But I wanted us to have that sense of a culture of one college coming together. And one of my greatest rewards, a, a moment in which I was just so overwhelmed with delight was when we went through the strategic plan process and emerged with one of our themes as this idea of that we were were aspirationally building a culture of integrity and generosity and respect. And that, for me, was the icing on the cake because as I had come into this position, I was afraid that we weren't going to have that kind of culture. I remember that. I remember you being uh, rightfully skeptical and being really pleasantly surprised. Not only was that part of your language, but that's the kind of attitude people were bringing Exactly. And so building on that, I think this next year is going to continue some of that because those are aspirational statements when people say, you know, I want to be able to engage every member of my community in a way that makes them included, um, that, you know, we're we're um, reflective of, you know, the, the mutual investment and success of everyone in this community. I mean, that's powerful stuff. And so to build on that and to, to, you know, see our, our academic programs come into full um, realization. I mean, some of these programs we've created have yet to really fully matriculate students. Uh, one intrepid uh, student last year managed to enroll in information science as a major when we didn't even have any classes yet. I, I'd like to meet <laughs> that brilliant. person. Um, but, you know, we, we now are, I mean, we're, we're growing uh, we're, to be able to accommodate that growth, to be able to ensure the successes that we want our students to have with regard to their academic work. Uh, so there are a range of, of p- uh, points that I want to make sure year two is really, um, a, a, again, a success for us. But, you know, part of success is just, you know, a failure after failure and not losing your enthusiasm. And so keeping that culture moving forward, I think, is going to be really important for us. But, you know, we've got new programs, new projects, a number of things that I know are going to happen that really illustrate the creative uh, nature of the new college. I think I may have talked with you, Howard, about the portal project that's coming yep. online in the fall. This is an amazing installation. It's almost performance art in a sense, um, a gold-painted shipping container that will be placed on our campus for two weeks, oh, no, wait, two months, in which uh, students and community members will have the chance to walk inside and be confronted with a full uh, image of another person live streamed from some other country on the planet and to have a 15 or 20 minute conversation with translation of another person where the first question that gets asked is, 
what would it take for today to be a good day for you? And this coincides with the experience that we want our students to have. Our first-year students, many of them live in one of our residential academic programs. We have one specifically for the College of Media Communication and Information. We have this first-year course for our students. It's taught. It's team-taught. It's an introduction to everything in the college. So it's taught in four modules, uh, seven week long modules across the entire year. So students focus on the conversation and then a module on storytelling. In the spring semester, they do a module on the image and one on information. And those experiences where they they really get a chance to see that they will choose an area to focus on and to become a true expert in, but their proficiency in all of these areas is what is going to spell the success that they'll have in our programs. So I see year two being one in which we're really ratcheting up a lot of these things that were put into place in the last year and prior to the start of the college. We're focusing on our advising structure. We're looking at ways to engage our students in stronger um, study abroad programs and our CU in DC program, which is a a program for students to do both internships and a semester or summer in the nation's capital. I mean, so there are a number of programs like this where with hands-on project-based learning, we know that our students are are just going to be, you know, equipped for uh, everything that will uh, appear in their futures. Another piece of year two is we're really starting to roll out now professional master's programs. And so, um, you know, we're we're starting to build not, not just those programs, but also our PhD programs are starting to go online as well. So number of new programs, it's it's a pretty exciting time to be in the college. do you think, Pete, do you think she's got some energy for this job? What do you yeah. think? <laughs> well, you know what? It's fun. I, I, uh, we talk so much about the, the, uh, the changes, the consolidation in academics and downsizing and programs are being cut and faculty exactly. are being laid off. Brian Alexander, dear friend of the show, is talk, talking about the queen <laughs> sacrifice. You know, this is, this is, uh, I, I think. The world's coming to an end. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I know, I know our listeners in some capacity are thinking about this. How to make change in their department yeah. structure, and uh, this story of CMCI is uh, is one of great optimism and hope and growth, and I love that that we're bringing that message to this to this you know to the show. This is a great story, and this these kinds of stories they're out there. I think they're hidden. That's the that's why, Laura, your story is so important because uh, people need to see they can make positive change happen. And it takes courage and it takes uh, being willing to take risks. So, you know, thank you so much for not just what you're doing, but for me, I get out there and, and I'm more optimistic with the people that we're working with because of the work you're doing. Well, thank you for saying that. You know, I would be remiss if I didn't also say, and you know this so well, Howard, what a tremendous commitment the university administration has made to the success of the college. Our provost, Russ Moore, uh, Phil DeStefano, our chancellor, I mean, the commitment that they've made both financially, philosophically, to ensuring the success of the college. I mean, you know, they're there giving us the kind of support we need for this to be a success. So it takes a big team of people to a make these things village. work. Exactly. All right, Pete. This has been a great conversation. Lori Bergen, thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, you know, I'm obviously going to throw up a, a link to the uh, CMCI uh, on, in the show notes here. Any other resources you'd like our listeners to check? 
check out? Oh, gosh, just go to our website. We have so much content there, lots of things produced by our students, lots of news about the college and its faculty and staff. So I think um, that's a great resource. Thank you so much, Lori Bergen and uh, Howard Teibel. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, obviously. You know why I'm excited, Pete? I get to see Lori next Wednesday. Oh, now you're just showing off. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> excited. Mm-hmm. On behalf of Lori Bergen, Dean of the School of Media Communication Information at the greatest university uh, in the nation, and Howard Teibel, I'm Pete Wright. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the education podcast from Teibel, Inc.